Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris, we oh. are testing out some new stuff in the studio. I think we yeah. should probably kick off by telling the listeners about what to expect. So within the next few weeks, maybe a month tops, we plan on going full video. Full video. <laughs> so we're going to start ramping up our YouTube channel. Uh, some of our listeners probably don't even know that we have one. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Diesel yeah. Performance Podcast over on YouTube. Yep. Uh, you, you'll find our page right now. It just has a picture of the logo, yep. and then it has our audio track underneath it. So we have a couple things, right? We're talking about updating the logo. Yeah. Right? Uh, so we're, we're going to have that going on. Um, but we're talking about changing up some of the things that we do on the podcast and getting into some more technical data and some technical information that we already know a lot of our listeners already shown interest that they like that stuff yeah but how do you articulate that and show that uh, so going to video just gives another you know potential source for that information to be you know obtained absolutely correct yeah that's a good way to put it uh, we've been thinking about this for a long time uh, we have worked on moving our studio around yeah. four or five times <laughs> um, so we finally have landed in a new room here in the building over at Duramax tuner calibrated power uh, we've finished the soundproofing in the room. I think sounds that, awesome. Think that worked it well. Does. Worked real well. Um, and then now we, we have got finally some bricks laid. Yeah, <laughs> laid some bricks yeah. in the in the building. Finally, finally figured out what to do for the video itself because the soundproofing material did not look great on camera. No, no. Uh, so it took us a little time, but I think we nailed it down. I think it looks really good. I think the best way to describe the room is it looks like a horrible clown room. Yeah, from RC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Viewers, don't worry. You guys no. won't be seeing that. Yeah, or listeners, don't worry. Uh, you won't be seeing that we we polished it up, <laughs> <laughs> made it look a little bit nicer. Yeah. Uh, so so we're working through this. It, it, you're right, Chris. It's a new format. We're going to be still trying to get some of those awesome interviews that right. we know people love, where we get to well, talk to fun. an expert. Right. And, yeah, we have fun. We have fun. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of that, we have an awesome interview for today's show. So I'm sure if anyone you know is uh, part of any type of diesel forum uh, community on Facebook, you know there's been that elusive three thousand horsepower broken finally on a chassis dyno we've been looking for it a lot of controversy right <laughs> um so if you guys are living under a rock we have chris patterson on today so we're super super excited to kind of get the lowdown on uh you know what it's like to uh officially break that three thousand wheel horsepower mark on a chassis dyno absolutely and we had a lot of questions for chris about this uh we pushed back on it we read some of the feedback that we had saw online you were super excited about that questioning the validity <laughs> of this number um and and chris's level of confidence i think really shows through in this yeah. so hey let's kick it over to our conversation with uh mr 3000 chris patterson himself all right listeners it's time for our favorite part of the show we have on uh mr chris patterson chris they're 3k <laughs> how the hell are you i'm pretty good how are you you know we're we're just doing the you know the the, the diesel game here in northern illinois so we're happy That's you know it. we get to do what we enjoy how living, about yourself living life getting ready for black friday yeah how about you Oh, living the diesel game, whether you like it or not, that's pretty much what it is. It's a game, and uh, trying to keep a shop afloat in this crazy times that we live in. Yeah, I no. So that. both of them have their challenges for sure. No, no secret there. Juggling a, a performance vehicle, a purpose-built vehicle, and a business, and you know having to be your hobby and passion and everything in the mix. There's got to be a lot of stuff that ride on what you do in your day to day. Oh yeah, it's like I just feel like I juggle all this crap and. One of them always hits the ground, and you just have to, you know, you got to keep it all going. And it's just, it's a whole lot to do. But 
I try the best I can every day that I'm, I'm allowed to do it. Well, you, I was going to say, you know, Chris, we've had you on the show a few times, and we've heard about some of the struggles in the past, and we've heard about kind of having to pick things back up and start moving forward again. Uh, listeners, you may remember we had Chris on back in 2019 at uh, Diesel Power Challenge out yep. there in beautiful Colorado. Uh, now, at that time, you had gotten voted in as the alternate, if I remember correctly. Yes, I was actually the alternate alternate. Steve Lucero was the official alternate that got to go and compete, and then I had to be on standby in case something happened there. That's right, and so, that was yeah, that, that was, was a long alternate. week, a long week of watching everybody else compete and just kind of just waiting. <laughs> there ain't nothing like showing up with all your stuff and ready to go and sit around and wait, but it was good. You know, I got to meet a lot of really cool people and made really good business connections and learned a lot and there was a lot of strategy that i was observing and some of it paid off and some of it did not so it was definitely an eye-opener for sure i felt like it gave me a good competitive competitive advantage speaking of you know competitive advantage and connecting the dots and having a week of experience you loved it so much that then you started your campaign for 2020 trying to get re-voted in for dpc correct Oh, immediately, yes, because I knew. I was like, all right, cool. I saw how it worked. I know what we need to win. I know what we got to do different, and let's go. So I did. I mean, I really, really, really pushed for that. But ultimately, it just didn't happen. Yeah, 2020. unfortunate. COVID right. hit, can, or challenge got canceled. So right. they didn't. I don't even think they did the voting. Uh, I think it was right around that time that I mean, maybe it was, they had put ballots out. It's it's crazy to think of how quick. Yes. Well, because that was the fall yeah. of deep of of Diesel Power Magazine. Like right. a lot of stuff happened all at once. It seemed. Yeah. It seems like such a blur. Well, it was like a light switch. Yeah, they went to electric voting, which everybody wanted that, and it. I think it worked out great. I think it was based on your IP address, and and there was tons of votes cast out there. So I don't. We don't know the results of any of that. It's never been published. The event just abruptly ended when most of the rest of the world ended too yeah yeah which was tragic because we haven't seen it come back so we've we've asked some questions to some people we know we haven't gotten any definitive answers i don't know that we will but what i was happy to see was that you had kind of moved on with the truck and just to give our listeners a quick refresher give us a rundown of the truck and the build you brought to dpc in 2019 okay yeah and you definitely have to move on you can't let one event stop you from achieving your goals but uh, my truck's a 2007 5.9 four-wheel drive, long bed, crew cab, dually, completely the underdog. Whenever we went to DPC, we had flex diesel. I believe they were 200 or 250% over. It's vague back then. And then twin pumps had a 6.2 liter Cummins motor in it. Uh, had a CP Carrillo hybrid rotating assembly. It was kind of some really cool stuff. A decent trans fat shaft. Input, fat shaft output, build intermediate, full manual valve body, a couple small kits. Uh, I think I went up there on a 464 and a 488, I think's what I took. I tried to keep them small just because the elevation, you know, like 8,000 to 12,000 feet kind of depends on the weather and driving up to the Red Rock Amphitheater. So I wanted something that would still spool kind of quick on a smallish engine. So that's pretty much what we showed up with. And then the setup, if I were, didn't you set the sled for the last event there? Didn't you, you get to run the sled pole? I did, I did get to do two things that were kind of fun. I got to basically verify the dyno that everybody could see that the dyno ATS worked. And then I got to set the sled. And that was my first time to ever sled hook 
or ever sled pull or anything. And it was amazing. I loved it. It bounced and it did all this other weird stuff I didn't know about. But it wound up going like 300 something feet. And I was like, okay, cool. And then Brad Sankey, the sled pull guy in his Duramax of his single 480, I want to say he only went like 285 or 290. It, it went and he won. But I just thought it was really cool. I've never done it and completely beat him at it. But then again, I had compounds and a dual tire and he didn't. So you had a Cummins. It wasn't exactly you had a, a Cummins. Let, let's be real here. You had the superior engine. Oh, definitely the Cummins for sure. If it wasn't for the Cummins, none of this would be possible. Brad Sankey called out. So, I mean, I brought more trucks for sled than what he brought. And that was why I was going and wanting to compete was I thought that I had more truck. Yeah. And in certain aspects, I did. Now, being that you had the opportunity to spectate, you know, in 2019, and then you started the campaigning for 2020, what were some of the things, you know, a year later, wh what was the plan? What were you planning on bringing to 2020 DPC had you been voted in? Driver skill. Okay. <laughs> it so, wasn't as much that we were going to change the, the setup. The setup worked great. I mainly needed more time behind the sled okay. or in front of the sled, I guess. Okay. And then uh, the the cone course like we had bought a whole bunch of cones and valor clutch is just down the road from us and they have a huge parking lot like at the end of an airstrip this parking lot's probably several acres so we went and set up cones and took a trailer and drug it around and you know really beat your equipment up but i felt like 1200 horsepower would have been competitive now we did get a bigger engine and bigger chargers and bigger injectors but that all kind of came later so the, the big difference was going to be my ability to wield the machine, I guess. Okay. I don't know how many. There, there's a lot of driver error. That, well, that, well that's, that's just what I was going to say. That's got to be a topic. How many times have we interviewed DPC competitors? I don't think we've ever nailed down anybody who legitimately set up a cone course to go and practice. No, no. Ever. Well, I always think back and, <clears throat> you know, not to, uh, you know, take any light from Chris here, but, you know, when you think of like the LeVon era, you know, when sure. he was winning DPC every year. You know, he brought a, a crew long, you know, a truck that, you know, on paper isn't going to be the most aesthetically friendly, right? Yeah. But he knew how to drive, you know, grew up on a farm, grew up towing trailers, this and that. And driver error is one of the biggest things that you have to be able to get from point A to point B. You know, you're, you're, you're racing with a bobcat, you're drag racing, you're sled pulling, the cone course. I mean, there's all these different attributes of, you know, that experienced driver behind the seat that, you know, they need to execute correctly. Well, uh, and that brings up a good question there, Emke, is um, wh why go with the dually setup? If you know you're going to be taking the truck to compete in, in these type of challenges, why did you want to build a dually instead of just going to a, a regular cab setup? Well, I never really chose the dually. It just kind of chose me. It was a really cheap truck at the dealership I was at. I needed a good daily driver. It fit the bill. It had leather interior. It was a 0759, two owners. Like, it wasn't a bad truck, and it was cheap. So then I was introduced into the world of common rail horsepower, and then my whole life just changed. <laughs> and it's like, and it, to, like, the summary I have for all this crap is the distance between more and enough never closes. <laughs> so it just led one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and then we made good power. And then uh, also the second biggest reason I stick to the dually is all the haters out there that have something to say about how fast their regular cab short bed converted carbon fiber or fiberglass truck is. And this isn't a race truck. This is a 100% street truck. 
I've been daily driving it all week since coming back from Ohio. It's it's not a race vehicle. It is it does good at sled. It does decent at dirt drag. I've just recently was introduced to that, but I, I don't want a racetrack. I've never wanted a racetrack. I want something to go out and have fun with, and it just kind of evolved. So, so that's really it, I guess. What let's fast forward now, right? So 2020 DPC never happened, right? Did you compete in anything in 2020? We went to the King of the Street Challenge and it was a very last minute thing. Um, We also did the gauntlet. There's a few other things in 2020 that we did, but mainly local stuff. I don't have the funds to go ODSS race and, and go crazy campaigning like that. I can only maybe hit two or three states or two or three events that are out of state. But uh, we did go to King of the Street Challenge, and that was amazing. And I had to thrash the last minute to get a cage, to get a cage shirt, all this stuff. And then three rounds into drag racing, I was in the semifinals with David Petrick, and I started knocking a rod bearing really loud. And we had had the transmission out just hours before we ballooned a converter and cut the front pump seal. So under lockup, it, it sprayed fluid everywhere. So we had to yank the trans, swap the converter, stick it all back in. So I thought I had a loose converter bolt. So we tightened up the bolts in the staging lanes and fired up and it's still knocking. So I sent it and uh, David and I both killed the tires when, at the hicks. It was like, 1130 at night the track was probably 40 degrees we both killed the tires at the hit i feathered it rod was knocking even louder than the turbos were and he got about two or three out on me so i just lifted because i knew if i threw a rod or you know split the block or some crap like that knock a hole in the pan it was going to hold down the track it was going to kill drag racing for the whole event that night so i was already losing the motor was already hurt i knew i couldn't go another round i just let him have it so that was tough. Oh. That was real tough. Yeah, real tough. But what am I going to do? <laughs> That's a hard I one. I didn't bring it, another motor. It, yeah. It is funny how much time you feel like you have thinking through those situations when you're on the track because you're talking about a start to finish of eight seconds. Right. That's a lot of stuff to happen yeah. in, in that type of time frame. <laughs> so I had, you know, we got past the round before and we were knocking down the return road and I just finished this roll cage. Well, I don't know if you've ever been in a caged hot rod truck. They make a buttload of noise. They bang and clang like crazy. Well, I didn't, I couldn't hear the engine with a helmet on and a little sock on your head and all that crap. I was like, man, I don't, this thing sounds terrible. <laughs> so, um, I got back in the staging lane, fired it up, and it was knocking. I'm like, well, this is really cool. What are we going to do? We didn't bring a motor. We didn't bring bearings or rods or a crank. We didn't bring anything like that. Now, did that kick you out? Because I know the order was different of events in 2020. So, like, did you get to do, like, the street drive and the the dirt drags? Like, how much of the event did you get through? Nope. I got to drag race, and that was it. Oh, that was the first event. Uh, Yeah, so I had... I had like 50 points for the whole event or something. Everything else was DMF. That's brutal. So now, yeah, what, you're telling it, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Being that you were at, you know, ATS Gauntlet and you went to, uh, you know, King of the Streets in 2020, you know, let, let's, what was the truck setup power output wise? Like, what were you bringing to those type of events that year? So we had went to the Gauntlet 
earlier that year, right like two weeks before COVID came out. And we had dynoed. Actually, I got to straighten this out. I got a story to tell about this so everybody knows the truth. We went to PRT the night before at Tyler Baker's shop, and we made decent power, and we did some wastegate tuning and whatnot, and we picked up good power. Then we went on the inside dyno at ATS, and the first pull did like 15-something. And we, we weren't really quite sure what was going on. So we did another pull, and we weren't making full boost. We were only getting like 40 pounds. Well, we had blown a wastegate hose off, like the reference line, so the gate was opening at like 35 or 40 pounds. I don't, I don't, I don't remember if we were on triples or not. I think we were on triples, but it did 1,640 horse at 40 psi on the ATS dyno. Jesus wow. Christ! Okay, yeah, that put us in second for the gauntlet, I believe. So okay, we got off. We did our three pulls. We got off. We popped the hood. We're looking around, and there's the freaking hose off the gate. Cool. Well, we find a hose clamp, we ghetto it back together, go outside on the Northwest Dino Circuit for the ATS Let It Roll event. The gauntlet was held inside. The ATS Let It Roll was held outside. And same tune-up, same mattress, same everything, just with a properly properly functioned wastegate, it did 1,915. Holy at like 115, 110, 115 pounds of boost. So <laughs> at, we were at like, a cool. mile of elevation. At, yeah, right, exactly. Yes. Yeah, in the ATS parking lot. So we're like, all right, cool. We, we know what's up now. We're back. But there's this huge misunderstanding in the whole click of the diesel performance world that the ATS dyno and the Northwest Dyno Circuit were on two different readings or the horsepower numbers were different or whatever because that's what I did. But I told people, like, hey, we blew a wastegate reference line. The gate was open the whole pull. You had 60, 70, I guess, you had 60 to 70 pounds yeah. of boost loss between the two dinos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah, 40 pounds versus 110. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's going to make more power. <laughs> everybody that watches my truck and sees me and talks to me, all, they know that my truck doesn't smoke. We have it dialed in where we just don't smoke. So, yeah, we did a 1,640 horsepower pull at 40 pounds of boost, and it was smoky as all get. It filled that whole little dyno room up at ATS. Oh. And I knew. I was like, man, something. And I grabbed the, the backup kit. I grabbed it all. I was like, man, something ain't right. Something ain't right here. So we just got off of it. Yeah, I lost the win for the gauntlet. That sucked. Cody Pulliam won with like sixteen eighty or sixteen ninety, forty five hundred bucks. So that that was kind of another bummer. Oof. But we did win the ATS Let It Roll event for three hundred dollars outside, that nineteen hundred horse. That's that's the fuel for the week. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was hard. Yeah, it was a long drive home. We had a great team meeting on that 14-hour drive home. <laughs> but uh, that's what we were bringing to the 2020 King of the Street event was the triples. And, and Oh, and in October, we were on a local dyno I do all my testing at, and we were able to hit 2,041 horse there. But so, yet again, that wasn't the right dyno. It wasn't the right corrected altitude. It was this, it was that, it wasn't this, it wasn't that. Okay, whatever, I don't care. That's fine. So then we went to King of the Street, spun a bearing three rounds in drag racing. Well, So it was really a huge Debbie Downer. It really tore me up for a month or two, all kind of into the winter. So, so get back, get the business like recuperated and 
funds flowing and projects taken care of, improvements are made and whatnot. Pull the motor out, find a bunch of stuff, learn a bunch of stuff about the engine, build a new power package, put it in. We get the phone call from James to be invited to the 2021 Ultimate Callout Challenge. We had 105 days to go. And I think that's when we last spoke was the prep for UCC. Right, right? that's right. That, yeah. that I think is. we talked about that. So since then, we front and rear four length the truck. We lost a whole lot of weight, um, did bigger axles and all this other crap, couple motors. The week before UCC, we finally got it all fired up and running. At this point, we had two 14-millimeter extra G race pumps, flex diesel, 408% comp hybrid injectors. We have a VS racing double ball bearing 8096 on the manifold with a VS triple ball bearing 106, 113 on the atmosphere. And we know the fuel we had. We did the 2000 horse and 1900 horse was on 330% flux. So we knew how much more fuel we added and we had it all mapped out. We knew how much more air we added and we added a, a good amount more nitrous. So we kind of knew that we were going to be around that 3,000 horsepower mark. But we had to work out all the small problems on the engines. So the week before the freaking event, we blow up three motors testing. Like, legit blow them up. Like cracked blocks the whole nine, or? Yeah, like rods, pistons, blocks, cranks, heads. Wow. We're talking like, yeah, we, we popped them good. But we knew the type of power we were going to make. I had a brand new set of billet rods that in one pull threaded the caps and stretched the bolts. Oh my god. Shit. Now yeah, on, we were on the dyno at caps. the track, where where did where did where were you doing your testing? Both. Yeah, there's a little spot here local, you know, where people gather late at night. Sure. And then there's the <laughs> dyno. So we were kinda hitting those scenes pretty hard for several, several, several nights in a row. And uh ultimately Called all the sponsors, called the team, got everybody on conference call and said, hey, you know, we've spent like 70 or 80 grand in a couple weeks. Here's where we have. Here's what we don't have. Here's where we're at. Here's where we need to be. And right now, this is all I can offer to take to this event. No backup motor, one backup training, a couple pairs of turbos, no backup uh, like drive shafts or U-joints or axle shafts. No backup slicks for if you get a hole in a radial or some crap like that, you know. So I said, professionally, I think we have to make the, uh, the choice not to go. I don't feel that I can represent my business and my reputation to the best of my ability with what we have right now with three days to go before we have to leave. And the last thing I want to do is go out there and have all these companies that represent and, uh, and put on a, a very poor show and, like, you know, blow a motor up on the track and oil down the whole track for four or five hours. Like, nobody right. wants to do that. Right. Or get someone hurt in the grandstands because you know that your rod bolts aren't rated for what you're about to spray it, and you're going to hurt somebody. Like, someone is physically going to get hurt, and that's not something I want to personally be held responsible for. So I made the call, and that was one of the hardest posts I've ever had to make and the hardest conversations I've ever had to have with people. But I'll tell you this, all the team, or the majority of the team, and all the sponsors said, you know what, you're doing what's right, what's the next event? I said, the next event's King of the Street in October in Ohio. They said, all right, cool, let's just keep pushing on, save everything you got, don't show nothing, and we'll keep going. 
so we no showed UCC, told James what, what was up. He's like, that's fine, whatever. So we don't go to that. And we spend all summer and we keep working on the rig. So now we were at 6,100 pounds in race trim and it ran 938 at 148 on level two fuel only. And I was very impressed with that. Not only did it take the world record like instantly, but it just went A to B so easily and flawlessly at like 1600 horse. So that was kind of neat. And then, um, just continued to work and refine and had more problems, had a bunch of electrical gremlins we had to work for, get the suspension halfway close. And then 2021 King of the Street Challenge, I felt like we had our head on straight. We had everything we needed to, to make it happen. We had six drag radials, even though they're like 100 pounds a piece. We had the sled pull tires. We had about four different charger setups. We had a backup motor. We had a big motor. We had enough parts for the backup trans. We didn't have a complete backup trans, but we brought parts. And then a full bed, two seats, half the interiors in it, you know. So I felt like it was enough to compete. And then that's whenever we chose to show everybody what we would have brought to the ultimate call-out challenge as far as the dyno is concerned. So we as far as turned it all the way up for drag racing. So as far as the air and fuel and things like that, all of that was pretty much the same from what you would have had at UCC 2021 as what you brought to All Truck Challenge 2021. You more or less yeah, are just trying yeah, to figure out the right. foundation, the motor, getting everything to right. support yep. the power. Yep. Yep. We had the same six seven motor Hamilton block. Uh, it was a comp high test block. We filled it. D&J stage three head, D&J rod, tool steel wrist pin, um, the, the two extra G14 pumps, the 8106 VS racing combination, the flex 408% injectors, my transmission, I guess my engine, like I built it or whatever. That was going to be my next thing. Everything is and, still done in-house. Your hands are involved in yeah. everything from A to Z. Yeah, I can't, I can't do a $28,000 engine. I just can't do it. <laughs> I, I love I that. I love that the other think. option to that is I'll just build it myself. Well, I mean, it's, because, I, yeah, I mean, I get I mean, it, but but we also understand most guys probably aren't in the skill set to be able to just build the engine themselves and then have it hold <laughs> at twenty six, twenty eight hundred. Paul, ninety nine percent of the people that we deal with don't have that ability, yeah. right? Yeah. And then to I mean, have the brains to get it to the point that it is is just in, impressive. Absolutely. Well, I mean, in all fairness, neither did I. <laughs> I mean, we blew probably five motors this year, so it's like, yeah, neither did I, but I had no choice but to understand what happened, how to resolve it, how to fix it, and go forward and try again. Can we talk and, about and that a little bit? Can we talk about some of the failures? What? We can talk about whatever you don't want to talk about. <laughs> what, I, what I don't want to talk about, I just want to talk about. So good. Let's go. <laughs> what went wrong in some of those motors? What, was it was it your a, a mistake you had made? Was it was it like oh I sure. learned that I fucked this up, or was it like? Oh, I should have went with a better this. rod. Right. Yeah. Should have went with a better piston. Um, I don't. There was a lot of things. A lot of retarded problems happened. One of them was, and I don't know for whatever reason I've seen this a few times now throughout the year. The oil galley plugs and the two channels that run parallel to the can and crank. There's one plug in the timing case and two plugs in the adapter plate area, and. We pushed one out. We pushed the front one out at like 5,000 RPM, and we didn't know it. And it happened during a drag pull. 
And so we went three seconds on the bad logger. We went three seconds with no oil. And it completely, I mean, it completely busted all six pistons out. Like, the skirts were galled. The block was galled. <laughs> it, it ruined everything. So it uh, it really whooped up on the wrist pins on the rods, on the wrist pin bushings. It hurt the rod bearing. It killed all six pistons and dang near killed the whole block. Luckily, we decided that we were going to change some things and we were able to salvage the block. So that was one of them. Okay, so how do you really fix that? If you have these 11 sixteenths oil galley plugs that pop out at higher RPM, how do you really fix that? There's not really a lot out there. So what I did at like 3 o'clock one morning, because that was the perfect time to think about things like that after working all day. Now, were you in bed was, at home thinking about this and then rushed back to the shop, or were you just grinding it no, out and you're like, oh, shit. I never left shit. the shop. I never <laughs> left the shop. Wow. Yeah. I know. I was here all day. Like, you get here at 5 or 6 in the morning, and then you provide service till 4 or 5 o'clock, and then you start working on your own stuff. Well, now you're back to 3 o'clock the next morning, right? That's just kind of how it has to go at this level. So anyways, what I decided was a genius idea was to drive in a new galley plug, right, with some, let's let's just say, because we're doing this in frame, let's just say we put sleeve retaining compound on this galley plug and we hammer it in, right? Okay, that's fine. Well, we're going to use a little bit of sleeve retaining compound, right? Yeah, okay, that's cool. That We can do that. So we drive one in. Well, then I get to mic in an old block that was split in half with a pair of dial calipers and figured out you could you could probably drive two of those in so you have now you have a backup galley plug right this sounds like an ingenious idea doesn't it sure yeah so we're going to roll with this by yourself at three o'clock in the morning so then you drive a second galley plug in okay two things happened number one the block was in the vehicle so the the sleeve retaining compound went into the bore of the old galley down the passage where it lined up with the first crankshaft main bearing Okay, that's cool. Then it went through that main bearing, through the crankshaft to number one connecting rod bearing that was just so happened to be pointed down. So then it went through the crankshaft throw onto the number one rod bearing, and that's where it stopped. Freaking sleeve retaining compound. Yeah, so that worked out really good in the long run. You glued your so motor instantly, <laughs> Yep, instantly spun those bearings. Oh, no. Oh, God. Didn't find that out until you wrap it out and put some power on it. And then you spin those dudes and chew up another crank and all that crap. So that's an example of the, the things I encounter learning how to build it. Is It wasn't the best idea to be 3 o'clock in the shop by yourself doing that type of stuff. True. And then you never really think that the sleeve retaining compound is going into an oil galley that has oil that is gravity and like deletes it and makes it really runny and then it just runs down and then it dries up overnight just who would ever think that something like that would actually freaking happen so that did and then another example i had an external oil plate oil cooler delete kit oil filter relocation kit with an external oil pressure regulator this really nice oil system and it had a gasket that went between the oil cooler delete plate and the actual oil plate with all the external plumbing. And there was an area on the gasket where outboard oil and inboard oil shared about a quarter inch of gasket material. And I blew that out and I didn't know it. So now all the oil was getting filtered and it had an internal bypass. It was like running through. 
So then that whooped the crap out of several sets of bearings and just embedded all sorts of nice material into them. So that was another, you know, rod and bearing and crankshaft failure. Retarded stuff like that. I'm speechless. That we, yeah, and then, and then we ruined a set of rods in one pull. So you're talking six pistons, six connecting rods, two or three cranks, all sorts of block modifications. Um, I smashed a few pistons into the head with oil pressure issues. Just a lot of crap like that. Beat out bearings on brand new, or beat out bushings on brand new rods. Bent wrist pins. Just, I mean, 4,000 pound feet is real hell on a motor. Yeah. Now, l- So me- I had to learn that. Now, let me ask you this, Chris. Leading up to All Truck Challenge 2021, had you backed that truck up on a dyno making 3,000 horsepower prior and just kept it a secret? Did you know? No. Did you know it was going to hit 3,000? Did you expect it? We, man, that's a lot of questions. Hang on. (laughs) It's the same question, just asked differently. (laughs) On paper, yeah. Yeah, no no kidding. On paper, we had 2,000 whenever we were going for two. And then on paper, we had 2,500 whenever we were going for 25. So on paper, when we had three, I fully believed we had three. There was no doubt in my mind that we had 3,000 horsepower. And whenever we went to the All Truck Challenge, I dynoed. I had to play a strategy on the dyno. So I was in fourth place, and Josh McCormick only had to make 1,700 horse to take first place, and I couldn't touch him. No matter how much power I made, mathematically, I was 10 points short of touching him even assuming I was going to win the dyno. Not being arrogant, but just kind of knowing I was going to win the dyno. So I made a level four pull with two kits, and it did, I think it was like 2451 or something. I was like, all right, cool. That's safe. That's secured. It didn't blow up. It made a good number. That way it counts. So at that point, I had won the dyno challenge, and I was officially in second place, and nothing would really change that unless Josh did not make 1700, and he went after me. We all knew that Josh is really good at making power and testing an engine's limit, so we knew he was going to make over 2,000 horse, so we uh, we kind of knew how that was going to play out. So then I was like, cool, I'm going to do a level 5 pull, and I'm going to turn on one of the big 375 solenoids. And I knew that it was going to be at 3, so I had a talk with Sarah and the Dyna operator, and I said, hey, we're going to have to back these people up from here to here. We're going for 3. And she's like, are you are you effing with me? I was like, no, we're going for three. Do you want to see it here? Cause we believe we have. <laughs> she was like, well, yeah, let me get those people out of the way. <laughs> get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> no kidding. So now we had not made it before, but we knew on paper that we had it. So I'm just going to go out a limb and assume when the truck made just shy of 2,500 on paper, you had an idea that that tune up would do 2,500. That is a crazy gap to go from 2,500 to 3,000 horsepower. But at the same time, I mean, it's really not that crazy. How did it feel? Like what, what, what was going through your head as you're having the truck on the dyno making that pull? Is it a, oh, I hope this motherfucker stays together. This motherfucker better make the number. Like, Spray what does that feel like? No, it was just, I've done so many dyno pulls. It was kind of like, all right, well, the big kit's going to come on with this RPM. So whenever you see the tax swing up to that number, that's probably when you, you, you know, grit your teeth and have your hand right beside the fire suppression system and you, shove the dyno operator out of the way like if it makes it past that rpm you're good 
So let me ask you, and what I was the better feeling? As soon as I realized it went past it and I heard and felt the kick come on, I was like, all right, we're good. So, so what was the better feeling, Chris, making the number or back in the truck in one piece off the dyno? <laughs> You're going to call me crazy. The better feeling was taking my wife to my sister's wedding last Sunday night. And driving no, I believe that, man. I believe that. Miles. I believe that. Does that. Is it a tough though when you show up at a wedding and you're like, no, but this truck makes 3,000 horsepower. And like the guys <laughs> at the table are like, oh, that sounds like a lot. And you're like, you don't know how cool this is. Actually, it was the complete opposite. There, I, there was probably more people hanging out around the truck than there were in the reception. Damn, <laughs> that probably stole the show. You. <laughs> that probably hates yeah. you. Fuck yeah, that truck, it, there, there was some animosity. And, you know, I didn't post anything about it. I'm not like a braggadocious guy or any of that crap. I just do what I do, and my work speaks for myself. But we, uh, I just drove out there. I got her. Dude, she was dressed up to the nines. I was like, damn, girl. And then I had my tux on and everything, so it was just nice to drive this freaking monster out there, and it was fun. It was a very nice drive home at 1 a.m. when the air is about 40 degrees because they light so damn quick. <laughs> it was a blast. So let's let's talk about one of the things we've seen a lot of Facebook chatter about, a lot of online chatter about, and that's the dyno itself and the 3,000 horsepower. So. Uh, anybody who's been following this, they've heard some of the haters come out there and right. say, this dyno's loose. Everybody hits high numbers on this dyno. 3,000 horsepower. It's not real. This isn't a real horsepower record for diesel trucks. What's your response to that? My response is a couple of responses. Number one, it's never the right dyno. It's never the right event. It's never the right location. It's never the right uh, conditions to do it because such and such wasn't there and such and such didn't compete. But the fact is there's a piece of paper that says 3,089 horsepower at an event where other people made good power too. Josh made 2,100 and something. I don't remember exactly, but I know it was 21. And Josh has done 21 back home on the power-driven dyno. Yes. And, and at events. And at other and events. And at events. Yep. And his number was right. There were other guys that have made good power that their number was right the one in particular that i was disappointed with and it's not personal or anything but was david petrick at that event every year he does 21 to 2200 now he's been going consistently and david is known to go to dinos and make 21 or 22 consistently well unfortunately he had a torque converter problem and i believe the converter was slipping or it came unlocked or something and he was only able to do like 17 so it didn't i didn't have all my backup numbers from the other competitors that i wanted right but i don't i don't care it doesn't matter there is more in it and i know that now whether everyone believes me or not i really don't give a shit but you can hear it and you can see how clean it runs and we've added timing and duration since then and we still have a whole nother 375 to turn on and that whole pull that 3000 pull was at 95 pounds of boost so there's still more to go, but it doesn't matter. People can say whatever the heck they want to say. They weren't there. They didn't have a truck in the competition. They didn't do the 100-mile street cruise. It doesn't matter. I've already talked with James, and we're probably going to go see the Northwest Dyna Circuit in the very near future, and we're going to put down more, and we're going to validate everything. So I don't care. They can say whatever they want to say. It doesn't matter to me. Well, I think there's a couple things there that I would like to kind of 
pick away at what you just said. Your truck made the 100-mile drive, right? So you just solidified that you have a street truck. As you've been mentioning this entire interview, this isn't a purpose-built drag truck. This isn't a purpose-built dyno truck. This isn't a purpose-built sled pull truck. This is a purpose-built street truck. And in a sea of trucks that were making anywhere from 15 to 18 to 2,000 to 2,100 horsepower, which all these trucks have been validated to make those power numbers on other dynos, your truck first hit did 2,450. Then you back that up with a 3,000 horsepower pull to have people talk shit. And I'll I'll jump in and play devil's advocate here for the the haters. No problem. Um, I think... I think a lot of I, I haven't heard anybody say that like any anything to take away from you winning the competition, right? Like it's very clear everybody got on the dyno yeah. on the same day, same dyno, same operators. Like uh-huh. the consistency of winning the competition, I have not seen question. Maybe there's morons out there who knows. Uh, where I've seen the pushback is on the dyno reading high, and I don't follow this dyno. Right. I don't know. I'm not big on like tracking down who's got the dyno record now. That's just not a big deal for me, but. What I've read guys writing is that they feel this dyno always reads whatever it is, 10% higher. I've seen all sorts of stupid numbers, so who knows what it is. Um, Do you think think if you dropped your truck on on James's, on the Northwest Dyno Circuit, you're confident it's going to back it up, it's going to make it? Like if we're at sea level, we're at sea level, we're going to run it, and we're going to hit the 3,000 number. I love that. There's no doubt in my mind. Yep. I mean, but you've also backed well, up everything. Go... You, go you know, I was to say you've you've also backed up everything that you've claimed over the last few years. You went as an alternate's alternate in 2019. You campaigned yourself for 2020. You you accepted an invitation to 20 you know to, to 2021 UCC, and you made a smart decision to back out. But you've come back with a better platform and you've done teasers with videos online and stirred up a lot of ruckus because there is a lot of controversy with you having a four door long bed dually. Yeah. Right. That's not yeah. the best, you know, cool, it doesn't make sense. High horsepower, <laughs> you know, fast truck. I don't know. That's and, perfect. That's right up my alley. Like, and the last not? the last you're, person. You're like, oh, Chris, you can't do that. Be like, well, I can't. I'll right. Right. Well, well I, I keep I thinking I remember the kickback that guys gave Randy Reyes a few years back with his red truck. And I know reading in the forums, because we're, we're all on the same forums, right? We're all in the same groups. There was a lot of, well, you'll never be Randy. You'll never be that red truck. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. And then here we are two years later. You, you have the first chassis dyno proven paper to show in a sea of trucks. Your truck did 3,000 horsepower. Yeah, and it never. I never was trying to be anybody. No. I'm me. I'm Chris Patterson. I do what I do. If you don't like it, don't follow me. Don't right. read it. Don't like it. Don't comment. I don't care. Whatever. I'm not doing this for anybody's approval. This is just a dude with some tools and a truck from Texas. I don't know why everyone is so pissed off at anything I do, but it doesn't <laughs> matter what I've done. Because you they, just said that. That's why it. it matters. They hate it because you don't care that you're doing it just because you enjoy it. That's why. Yeah. 100%. Like, I got racetrack people DM me all this crap, and I'm like, dude, you got a 4,200-pound truck with a brake and a turbo 400. <laughs> you're running a 102 Garrett with three big-ass kits. Like, I can't touch that. Call but him hey, out. Who was it? Who's yeah. been talking shit? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like, hey, you want, you want to drive to the track? I'll drive to the track and we'll run them and drive back. How about that? Well, I think that's uh, one of the things I'm excited for. I mean, do you think if you drop this truck, if UCC was happening next weekend, do you think you could show up and win UCC with this truck with this setup? Yeah, if the points stay the if the points and rule system stays how it is, yeah, I do. I mean, you're talking to a guy that bought a bunch of fucking cones and put them in Valer's <laughs> parking lot to learn how to to back up and do these things. Like, dude's dedicated. <laughs> Paul, when was the last time you were at yeah. work at three in the morning? Yeah, yeah. right. We're, like, we're, let's. I'm sure I had an airplane takeoff and I had to show up early to meet someone to go to the airport or something. No, come on. I mean, the dedication in the drive speaks for itself, Chris. You know, I, I can't speak enough good things about your character and the way you carry yourself when we ask these questions about the truck. And, you know, you let the truck do the talking and, you know, hats off to you and the accomplishments, man. It's super cool to see that. I appreciate that. That means a lot. In the end of the day, all you got is your word and your reputation. Yeah. That's all you got. Well, I think you get definitely got a good reputation here, Chris. We thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anybody you want to give a shout-out to? Obviously, my wife. This has been a major, major financial burden and time burden, and she has taken the brunt of everything, and I appreciate her for that every day. There will be no way I'm able to repay what is owed. And then, obviously, my shop, Unrivaled Diesel, again, a financial burden, a time burden, a priority <laughs> burden. And then everyone knows I represent Flex Diesel extremely strong. So they have amazing fuel injectors, and I don't care what people say. The power is super, super good power, super clean burn, very reliable, no smoke, no haze, all that stuff. And then um, Sancher, Shaft, Phil at Diesel Performance Converter, just Everybody that's really drawn together to make this whole thing work. I just appreciate everything. Everyone's on my team, the ridiculous hours, other family burdens of my team members and their wives and kids. No one realizes how much it takes to make something like this happen. And there's no way I can ever repay them for what I owe them or, you know, how thankful I am for them. That's so, so cool. And then, well, of course, the guys behind the keyboard, but nobody can show them any role of <laughs> You know how those guys are. Um, Bottom right corner. Bottom right corner. <laughs> yeah. Chris, again, thank Follow you so much. Cares, <laughs> All right. I'll holler at y'all later. Y'all be good. You too. Right, thank you so much. Listeners, stick around. We got more Diesel Performance Podcast coming at you right after a word from our sponsors. Replace the old leaking radiator in your truck with a direct fit replacement from the XDP Extra Cool Radiator line. XDP's extra cool radiators are made using the same techniques used in the HD truck industry to give you durability, strength, and performance. Each extra cool radiator is built around a high efficiency core with heavy duty tubes. It's also internally reinforced for strength and features more fins per inch for maximum cooling. The end tanks on each radiator have been upgraded to a fiber reinforced plastic construction for added strength and durability. To put it all together, a heavy gauge steel crimp strip is used to join the tank and the core. This eliminates the separation that's common in OE radiators. To find out more about the XDP Extra Cool Radiators, check out xdp.com or find a local dealer near you. What is Worley Custom Fabs, Thermostat Bypass Valve, and why is it an important upgrade for your 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax? 
2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax trucks feature a unique thermostat assembly for the Allison transmission, which allows fluid to bypass the auxiliary cooler and use engine heat in the radiator coolant to reach ideal operating temps more quickly in cold weather. When the desired temperature is reached, the thermostat is supposed to open and allow fluid to flow forward into the auxiliary cooler, which helps maintain transmission fluid temperatures at a safe level. Now the issue, this thermostat is prone to get stuck closed. So when the fluid gets hot and reaches the point that it needs to be cooled via the auxiliary cooler, the fluid is instead bypassed by the closed thermostat and returned to the transmission uncooled. Hotter fluid breaks down quicker, which leads to poor fluid performance and potentially premature damage and shortened transmission life. If you tow with your truck or live in a warm climate, this bypass plug is a must. Whether your truck is a daily driver, work truck, tow rig, or competition race truck, this is an issue that plagues all 17 to 19 L5Ps. When running one of WC Fab's shop trucks at the drag strip, they noticed temperatures reaching the unsafe zone. After some investigation, they found the auxiliary cooler up front was cool to the touch. The hot fluid was not making its way to the cooler. Upon further research, they found that even factory stock trucks were experiencing the same issue. With this discovery, the thermostat bypass plug was born. The CAD-designed, CNC-machined, anodized billet aluminum bypass plug requires a simple 15-minute installation. WC Fab has been building high-performance transmissions for the L5P platform for many years now and immediately started including this made-in-the-USA piece with every transmission that they build. Tested in-house on both their shop trucks and customer trucks, the Transmission Cooler Thermostat Bypass Plug for 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax trucks can drop the fluid temperature from 15 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit by reducing fluid flow restriction to the trans cooler. The Exergy Performance Fuel System Saver works. If you have a CP4 equipped fuel pump, which is commonly found on the 2011 to 2016 LML Duramax, and also the uh, early 6.7 liter Ford Power Stroke engine, they're known for failure, period. Now, most of the time, if you put a lift pump on the truck, you'll prevent a lot of the potential failures. If you do regular maintenance, you can help, help prevent the potential failures. But at the end of the day, there's still a risk that no matter what you do, that CP4 could fail. And when they fail, they have a track record for sending all of the metal shavings downstream. So you end up needing a whole new fuel system, new lines, new injectors, new tubes, new everything. That could be very expensive. Even if you're under warranty or you find a bundle package for a great price, there's still a lot of labor that goes into that, that job. The fuel system saver increases the amount of protection post CP4. So it's not gonna stop your CP4 from failing. What it's gonna do is that God forbid the CP4 gives up and it starts to send metal debris through the truck, it's gonna stop it before it hits the rest of your fuel system. And that's why they call it the fuel system saver. If you have a CP4 pump on your truck, you absolutely need to give DuramaxTuner.com a call today and get yourself a fuel system saver. All right, guys, now it's time to talk with our favorite super tech, Jeremy Garnett. Jeremy, how the hell are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Um, 
Jeremy, we have talked a few times about this Hummer with the Duramax conversion. Yes. And I can't remember if we discussed it last week, but I know this week specifically, you have spent a lot of time in it. Can you give us a real brief recap on the project? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, uh, pretty pretty deep in it this last week. So uh, just to recap, is it's an 05 Hummer. Uh, H1, uh, so it's a civilian-used Hummer, but uh, military style. Gotcha. So everything is uh, everything's exactly what you'd see on a military, but civilian use. That's right. So it's actually comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it has soundproofing. Yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. Uh, with a modern radio and AC. So <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Oh, um, quite the upgrade from the military spec right. one, but but still came with a 6.5 initially. Yes. This one came in with a 6.5 turbo, which is lot nicer than the 6.2 non-turbo sure so uh, uh to work on and because of more clearance issues and stuff like that but again back to what we were talking about is that it is an 05 uh civilian use customer came in and he wanted a swap so we had done one on our own before and it went really well lots of power fun to drive awesome in the dirt yeah um so he he went full-blown we're doing a complete suspension complete lbz swap uh, King shocks, you know, three inch body lift, uh, all out. Balls out, man. Yeah. 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 This thing is, this is, he didn't miss anything. No, I've posted a few pictures throughout the, you know, last couple months on my Instagram because we, I know we've been kind of a little quiet about it, but we still talked a little bit about it. Yeah. But now it's time to talk about it because that's what I've been doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> what's this week been like? I think last time we talked, you had just lined up the body, if I remember correctly. Yep. That was a couple, yeah. I think what we talked two weeks ago. Something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah, I just lined up the body, um, got the body dropped on. Now, this week has been getting um, basically all wired. So it comes with a new uh, Duramax conversion, uh, Duramax swap conversion harness. Okay. So for the engine and the trans, had to get all of that wired in. Got to get the new Duramax starter to work with the Hummer side. So I want to I want to contain the factory key, the factory, you know, stuff like that. So getting the Hummer to work with a factory relay, you know, okay. the starter and stuff like that. Gotcha. I want it I want it to be easy to diagnose, look clean, and if there is a problem. Yeah. So uh, doing that, then I have to uh, with the Hummer uh, conversion with the Duramax swap. It's all GM parts, so we have to put in all all four wheel drive components for the four-wheel drive to work properly, the new transfer case. Right. So even though you don't use some of those components, uh, this still needs to, they still need to be in there. So trying finding a spot to mount those inside the vehicle where, again, if they ever go bad, then they could be easily diagnosed. Gotcha. gotcha. So that was, and then the shifter. You know, that, that, was another, <laughs> that, that was this week, too, getting the shifter put in it. Now, traditionally, the shifter, the pattern gets flipped upside down on those. Yes, because uh, on a... Hummer, it shifts forward. This, you know, Duramax, it shifts backwards. Right. So um, the guys, uh, XHP, uh, Extreme Hummer Parts, they, they came up, they built a really nice uh, shifter design for it, um, which is out of a 2010 Camaro. Okay. So, but what they don't tell you is that it's five inches bigger than the factory hole. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, again, you know, you have to now grind that out, cut that out, get it to fit in there properly. Um, they, they use a really nice uh, universal um, shift cable. Yeah. They use on, you know, anything that could be outdoors, but it's really nice, heavy-duty quality. When you, now i got to attach that to the trans, make brackets for, you know, to mount properly and 
stuff like that. So, so there is still quite a bit of fabrication. Oh, I, yeah. I know whenever we talk about swap processes, you hear about all the conversion kits out there, and you hear about like, oh, there's a harness kit, and oh, there's this kit, and there's right. that kit, and then you sit down to do it, and you're like, oh, wait the one thing we didn't talk about was how much actual custom fabrication you have to do to make something like this work. So the way I'm looking at it is that, um, like this kit and a lot of other kits that I've done, they're about 75% complete. (laughs) (laughs) That's brutal. I know. And I, and I hate to say that I'm not trying to stab at anybody. It's just, it's about 75% complete where, You know, for example, like the shifter, you know, I put the shifter in, it comes with the cable, comes with this beautiful shifter, comes with the wiring harness for it. You know, so you have the shift lock, which I have to make all work. But then I have to build and figure out my own bracket to mount it to the trans. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, it's like, okay, I, I get all the other components, but then I have to... Okay, where's this last component where it mounts to the trans? <laughs> where I have to, now I have to build and make my own to do that. Right, right. So and then other areas as well of the vehicle. So how many? I mean, if you had to just ballpark, how many hours a project like this normally would take? Um. Well, with a group of people, it's about a 60, 60 to eighty hour project. So about two weeks. Um, I'm a single person. I'm about one hundred and sixty hours. So about 160 hours into it, and I'm a single person. So. Yeah. I mean, I've had help, you know, mounting, like, the the coolant assembly and, you know, the coolant stack. Right. And stuff like that on there because it's big, it's heavy. I've had help dropping that on. But when it comes down to building every power steering line, building every brake line, building, you know, all that stuff, you know, I've it was all me. That's it. Yeah, all the brakes, it was all me. Do you want to do another one? Oh, you know, the second one was easier than the first. <laughs> so the third one will be a breeze. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I actually do have one outside that it's already converted, but it's here for some other work. And, yeah. Um, I'm going to dip into that once when I get this one up and on the road. So, Man, what a, it, it is. Honestly, it's a super cool build. I mean, it, and we've seen the completed version of this. Uh, you know, the company it, Duramax Tuner yeah. has one. Uh, it is one of my all-time favorite vehicles to drive. One of the least practical, yes. <laughs> uh, which makes me love it more. Um, but yeah, th- these are, every time I see one of these, this style project come in where it's like, there's a lot of custom right. in it. I'm like, it's this is going to be a tough project. Yeah. Um, the Hummer's my favorite as well, but I'm biased too because I built it. Yeah. Yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the Apache, but it's like the Hummer, it's like, I did that. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. That sense of pride with it. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I did something that's 800 horse. So what's your pro tip for our listeners this week? If you got somebody at home working on a conversion kit, what do you think they need to know that they probably don't? Time and questions. So, I mean, questions. I mean, and time. Just take your time because sometimes taking that extra couple of minutes, uh, for example, you know, when I was putting the shifter in this thing, like making sure that. The sh- it's wired properly to work with the factory, so it actually has a shift lock. So right. it took me a little bit more time than I was hope or was expecting, but just time. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit of time take goes a long way. I love that. Stepping back. (laughs) (laughs) Step back, think it through, do it once. Yep. It's good stuff. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. I appreciate you joining us today. No problem. Have a great day. Listeners, stick around. We got a little bit more Diesel Performance Podcast coming at you after this. All right, guys, it's time for our remote support expert to join us, Sean Lynn. How the hell are you? 
Great. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good, man. Uh, Sean, your specialty here is really helping people um, kind of diagnose the problems they're having with their trucks without actually having to go out there and turn wrenches and, and work on their trucks. So a lot of coaching people through how to fix the issue or how to diagnose the issue. Uh, what vehicle are we talking about today? We're talking about an LB7 Duramax, so an early one. Ooh, bringing me back to my nostalgia. I love it. Okay, what's the problem? What were the symptoms reported? So this guy installed a larger turbocharger and a new intake on his truck, and he went with his buddies to some burnout competition and got really embarrassed because his truck would not do a burnout. <laughs> You know, you know, I chuckle about this, but but I've been there, man, and it is brutal when you think you have spent your money to do things, and then you go out to go prove that it was worth it, and all of a sudden it doesn't feel worth it anymore. And that, that's a that's a real kick in the nuts, man. I don't care who you are. Okay, how'd you troubleshoot this truck? What were the steps you took to diagnose the problem? So basically, I looked at the ordering information from his original order to make sure that we had all the mods the same on the current tune that he had and like i said he changed his intake he changed his turbo so intake's a big one there on an lb7 if it's a larger diameter it's not going to fuel right down low so basically what we did was i went over it with brandon our our tuning guy here went over the mods updated the tune changed the little things and now his truck does burnouts <laughs> and his intake really throws off the power down low because it thinks less air is going through because the pipe diameter is larger is it like a, a custom like sheet metal intake it's, it's somebody's larger fabbed yeah intake yeah because okay. like an s and b one wouldn't require a tune update but it a large diameter one always does yep yep absolutely okay so mass airflow sensor issue and you you can spot those pretty easily over the phone just by asking a couple of basic questions right yeah, when when did your truck stop driving normally in your, you know, your best guess? Like, did you install something on the truck? What changed? Yeah, okay, what changed? I like that. And then if you want to know if it's a math issue, okay, are you underpowered? If it's yes, okay, is there smoke? If you have the scaling wrong for your mass airflow sensor, you're probably not going to have any smoke. And another really easy one is like, does all the power come on at once? So is it, it's a dog, it's a dog, it's a dog, and then you hit whatever the RPM is, like 2200 RPM, just say, and all of a sudden it runs like a raped ape. Boom, that's a math issue. Absolutely. Real easy to spot over the phone, right? Where you're just like, oh man, these are the such a common warning sign that this is what we're dealing with. Yeah, and then the other end of that spectrum would be if the truck is really smoky and it takes a while to take off, like probably a boost leak very yeah. common super common people right? don't think they exist but they do <laughs> well and i know i know we always talk here about like it's a diesel man it's it's either fuel or air your issue 99 percent of the time is either fuel or air related when we're talking about these things so like being able to spot that and dial into that quickly really helps people out yeah and we do what we can here to get him running right again I love it, man. Okay, so got this guy a tune update. He's out doing burnouts. He's happy. You're happy. And we're moving on to the next one. Yes, he is doing burnouts now, and he's very happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we like to hear, guys. Use your truck recklessly. Uh, you, you did not hear that here. Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Guys, stick around. we got more Diesel Performance Podcast coming at you in just a minute.
All right, guys, and here we are with industry news. I have Anthony Bernini with me. Anthony, how are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm excited. I'm 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 excited to learn something today. So, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. I would say right now, uh, you know, we we think about the industry and we think about uh, summer months with racing and sled pulling and all the contests, and then uh, kind of that 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 fall time. You know, we we kind of get into some of the trade shows mm-hmm. and we get into you know some of that stuff. So. What do you got for us, uh, for the listeners today? Yeah, a couple things, like you mentioned. I mean, where we're at, it's kind of slowed down. It's that time of year, it's getting cold. Yeah, Midwest, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. First thing, I mean, I've been keeping an eye out on Instagram, Facebook, watching what's getting posted. Yeah. Uh, Truck Wars out in North Carolina. They, that was a pretty big event. That was pretty good. That I was mean, a really good event. Yeah, I saw videos, pictures. I mean, it's one of those, we talked about the Truck Jam also. Like, you see these trucks racing, like, no matter how much we see it, I still get excited. Well, I mean, there's, there's always another... L- element or level of competition yeah and uh you know i was lucky enough to uh we have a couple customers that have been you mm-hmm. know with the brand for a long time uh mark downing a personal buddy of mine and daniel McEwen, two uh cummins owners um it's crazy to see that they went to that event right and they they like to you know throw crap at one another and talk smack so you know they're like oh i'm gonna show you up and we're gonna yeah. go <laughs> and uh two very different trucks but very similar platforms exactly so uh, yeah they both have similar platforms. You know, you mentioned that they both have Cummins. Downing's got a red single cab. Yep. Definitely right around that 1,000 horse mark, if the not truck, over. The truck was at our shop a few years ago. You know, it made 990 on a really hot day. Um, he's done some cool things with the truck since. He's back-halfed it, four-linked it. It's, you know, like you said, a two-wheel drive, regular cab truck. It's it's a purpose-built truck. Yeah. It's really cool. It's still a stock motor. It's just all the bolt-ons <laughs> with a couple hundred thousand miles. And then, uh, you know, Daniel McEwen, he uh, he bought a, a truck used from uh, someone really well-known in the industry out on the East Coast. Uh, it's got a, a D&J motor, big set of compounds, right? Four-wheel drive crew cab. Nasty. So, you know, it, uh, you know, when you look at it on paper, I would have assumed that uh, Mark would have taken Daniel out. You'd think, yeah. But uh, not the case, right? No, he, he edged him out, like, <laughs> I mean, by fractions of seconds. Like, yeah. that. that's just how it goes. I mean, you look at, I mean, both trucks are nasty to look at. Yeah. You you pop the hood, you see the setup. I mean, you look at Downing, like you're talking about, he's got the, he's got the race truck. Like, yeah. that is a purposeful race truck. Daniel, I'm pretty sure you could put the wife and kids in there and just yeah. go drive around he, and cruise. He does. <laughs> Downing got smoked. Yeah, <laughs> so, damn. no, it's cool to see, uh, you know, friends you, of the would company. You say Downing has less of a driver mod? Uh, I don't know. I think you should say it right here so we can listen to it. Downing, you can't drive for shit. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it right now. He better listen to this episode. I'm going to send it to him. Now, that's that's East Coast. At the same, uh, not the same time, that was last weekend. Mm-hmm. Now, this week, West Coast, there's SEMA. Oh, yeah. That is one of the, if not the biggest event, I should say. Yeah. I would say show but i mean like there, there's not a lot of racing or there's not racing it's yeah. just you know you have booths you know gm uh ford dodge everyone under the sun has a booth they represent outside you've got sema's built purpose I mean, trucks it's, it's the automotive mecca when it comes to trade shows yeah you know in the aftermarket and it gives these uh you know these uh these these OEM companies, a platform to release, you know, Chevy just released their 632 cubic inch thousand horsepower big block, right? Just crazy, crazy stuff, especially in a world where everything is, is there's always conversation about electric, mm-hmm. right? And, and EV and stuff like that, which and I, mean, I like their it, own, but. If you have four had their own stuff, like the EV Mustang, yeah, for example, yeah. I mean, there's. People are already stancing those things. Yeah, like I yeah. saw a couple of them on bags, and I was like, "Didn't these things just come out <laughs> just to see that stuff?" Now, 
we always get calls throughout the sh- throughout the year. You know, guys call in. They're like, "Oh, I'm working on my SEMA build, right?" And it's like, oh, "Okay, yeah. you know, like I'm not discrediting that. If that's your hobby and that's what you're into, cool. Um, not not my cup of tea by any means. But you know, we're we've played with a couple SEMA builds with customers and and helped uh, lend a helping hand in there. Um, but a lot of diesel companies go to this type of trade show to release new products. Yeah, the big one also. I mean, five nines we've been doing for. How many years now? Yeah, five nine Cummins. I mean, it's BD one of the just, more popular platforms. BD just launched their new uh, five nine intake manifold. Super slick. Yeah. I saw some photos on that. I really, also. really good looking. It's pretty nasty. You know, <laughs> and uh, a couple other things. I mean, you just—it's one of those. You've got trucks that are a mile high. The, yeah. I give them credit though. Like you're saying, it's not a cup of tea, but like the powder coating in everything that goes into hey, it, man, it's intense. I'll tell you what, there are guys that have put more money into their one build and just powder coating than I have in vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> like that's no lie. Yeah. So I mean that's but that's what that event is. Mm-hmm. It's eye candy uh, times a hundred thousand. You know, like that's that's what that is no. to bring people in. It's cool. A couple other things I noticed aside from uh, the events was uh, some rumors. I should say. Okay. I mean every year like we're getting calls now. I, I had a call about a twenty three. Duramax the other day. No. Just placed my order. What are we looking at for tuning? Oh, God. We just started getting 2022 calls recently, and I'm cringing at that, you yeah. know, because there was a delay for the 2022s to be released just because of chip shortages and everything else. So 23 orders are starting to take place. Yeah. I mean, there's been a couple. The big thing is the spy shots. I mean, every time you see, I know, like, when the C8 vet was coming out, yeah. that was a big thing. But, like, how they have the cars wrapped so you can't see the body lines yeah, yeah. and things like that. From what I could you tell. You saw that with, like, the C8 Z06. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of automotive uh, you know, uh, conversation and whatnot with the release of that. So you see a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Um, a couple redesigns on the Duramax that I saw that kind of stuck out was, um, I think the headlights are changing up a little bit. I know people hated the front ends when they first came right. out. I feel like it's grown on They've a lot of people. grown on a lot of people, for yeah. sure. Especially good wheels and tires. Yep. I mean, that, that can definitely set the stance. Good up. wheels, tires, and tints go a very long way in any vehicle. Hey, you that's make a SEMA build right yeah, there. I mean, you can for... make a Volkswagen Beetle look good, right? <laughs> like, all joking aside. Um, rumors at the new Duramax is going to be 500 horse from the factory. Well, what I think is unique about that is, you know, as guys are starting to call into tuning companies and, and shops to, to talk about what's supported, when you get into these, you know, body changes and this different era truck, when you talk about more power, stuff like that, that comes with a new ECM. Yeah. So, you know, for, for the listeners out there, you know, granted, this is, this isn't, you know, concrete information, but general rule of thumb is, is that whatever the 2023 is going to be is going to be different than what we had experienced in the 20 to 22 trucks or in the 17 to 19 trucks. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see like what those, you know, what, what the unraveling of that is as far as power, interior and support. Yeah. That's, Um, that's what I was going to mention. I mean, when the L5Ps first came out, I mean, it took us a couple of years before we worked with HPT and got support. Who knows if that happens, you know, ECM change. Like, well, you also, if, if you follow the automotive, uh, side of you know the the gasoline side of things, and you look at like a, a C8 Corvette, that ECM is non communicable, mm-hmm. right? You cannot flash. So what they have is ECM piggybacks, and they have a separate controller controlling part of the engine management after the factory ECM has met its true potential. So you have two brain boxes controlling the motor and controlling different attributes in the engines. That's multiple sensors and everything else that goes along with that. That might just be what the new era yeah. of of diesel performance may be depending on the complexity of the ECM. Yeah. You know. It, I mean, like you're saying you have all that information. One the engineering's nuts. Oh, it's and then insane. for the, for us to get one of those new trucks and be like, "Hey, 
let's tune this. Let's reverse it's engineer like, this. Yeah, it's like let's okay. reverse this crazy monstrosity monstrosity of you know uh, technically advanced you know engineering that's gone into this for years. Yeah, it, it's nuts. And you got guys. Hey, wh- when is this coming out? Right. Hey, man, we don't even have the truck. A year from now, you. man, you told me six months, man. I said I didn't know what I hope, <laughs> for sure. Right. And we've seen some interior spy shots and stuff like that, especially yep. in the Silverado uh, area. There's been a lot of kickback on the 2020 to 20, you know, uh, 2020, 2021, 2022 trucks. It's a little awkward. I'm not going to lie. Some of the display stuff. So seeing some of the spy shots of what the 2023 HDs are going to look like, I think puts a breath of fresh air in those platforms. I think they're really you know, trying to be competitive with some of the Ram and Ford stuff. I was going to say the Ford is a good offset. Um, for example, like when I saw the spy shots of the, like the gauge display, yeah. it's converting to le- electric. Okay. So instead of having needles and stuff, you know, like they have always been, yeah. um, the 3.0 Explorer that Tim has, um, it's reminiscent of that in the sense of you've got a display on one side, one on the other, and you can navigate what everything yeah. looks like. Not to mention you've got a bigger... Um, Radio, yeah, Yeah. uh, uh, heads up display, if you will. So, I mean, if everything pulls through, I I think it'll be, you know, a pretty good uh, change that a lot of people, because, again, a lot of people don't like the 20 to 22 stuff, and kind of reviving that, I think, will be real nice. Yeah. I mean, as far as, I mean, we have the interior. As far as exterior, I noticed a little bit of headlight changes. They've got the trucks all wrapped up. I mean, for the most part, body lines and whatnot are the same. Yeah. can't see a lot changing maybe some grill changes yeah. color matching for the factory but. i think once you see uh some of the camo the camo wrapping and stuff like that kind of uh be removed from the truck you know then you could have two trucks that are very similar i always think about like the uh the, the ford power stroke and you think of like the six liter era to six four era to the early six seven era body line wise they're all very similar but when there's no camo or anything covering the body they're all very uh you, you could decipher which platform is what yeah right so I do think that uh, as time progresses, you know, me and Paul have been talking about getting you on board as well of mm-hmm. as more information is released. That's something that I want to cover more on as, you know, we start prep, you know, preparing for what those new models are. Exactly. 2023 is going to be crazy, in my opinion, because we've ran into this, you know, COVID chip shortage, vehicle shortage, this and that. Don't, you know, don't be surprised if all the vehicle manufacturers are taking that time to explore what that new platform is going to be. And usually that's going to come with pretty sticky price tags as well. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's where everything got pushed back. Call it a year, give or take, you should say. I mean, Ford's talking about redesign. There's rumors on that. Dodge, a little bit. I mean, GM as well. I mean, I've seen a lot more pictures of the GM stuff than the other two. But, um, I mean, who knows? Like, Trucks, trucks are as much as a house yeah, nowadays. No, so I mean, who knows how long that's trucks sticking around. literally cost as much as my house. Paul, we were just talking about it. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could buy a Ford Platinum and pay more than what I paid for my house. Jeez, so. man, no, that's something else. Well, I appreciate that. More to come too. I think, uh, Anthony, um, you know, thank you for taking the time and breaking everything down. And until next week, right? Yeah, we'll see you guys later. All right, guys. Chris, uh, what a great show today, man. Super cool. You know, uh, it. I really had a great time. Thank you again to Chris Patterson for taking some time to, uh, you know, you could tell he's passionate about his accomplishments and right. what he does. Like, that takes a lot of effort, a lot of money, a lot of time. Like, you're just, I, I, don't, I don't know which one it takes more of. It just takes a lot of all of that. And then a team to support that. 100%. Um, but the way he was able to navigate and articulate the process to get us to this point, like, I have confidence in him, and I'm super excited to see what kind of package he brings to, you know, future contests going into 2022. 
100% correct. Yeah, guys, uh, if you want to follow along, uh, jump on over to the Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook page and do yourself a favor right now. Not only, I'm sure you guys have all already subscribed to our show, Diesel Performance Podcast, please rate and review and share it with a friend. We'd really appreciate that. For today, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Thanks for listening. What are we doing?